Good evening. So glad that you have chosen to be with us tonight. Thank you for being here. Uh, this week, I understand, there's a pretty big deal happening in this county. It's the Wilson County Fair. It's something I've never been to, and before you go, oh, I just hadn't been to it, okay? I remember going to the World's Fair, and then there was the fair that came through Parsons, and that place was a little sketchy. I mean, it was a weird, weird thing. So I've heard this is a big deal, and that a lot of people are there. Because there are a lot of people who go to the Wilson County Fair, our elders have seen fit through the work of some of our deacons to put up a booth there. Something that will let people know that we are in this community and can know more about us. So I know that we're still needing some people who may be able to work that, but also, if you're there and you've got friends with you who aren't connected here, bring them by the booth. It'd be a good opportunity for you to be able to share, hey, this is where I worship, and, and to meet some people there. And I think it would be a great blessing uh, for them. So do what you can this week. If you're there, a part of the fair, come in and, and go by our booth and, and be able to introduce your friends to uh, whatever people from here are working at that time. It'd be a great opportunity for you to tell them how much you love your church. And I think that'd be a great opportunity. So if you're there this week, I think that would be something that would be of great benefit. Before we begin tonight, let's pray together. Our Heavenly Father, you are great and mighty, and God, you are the God of all comfort. We come before you tonight asking your guidance as we walk through this world, as we face things that are difficult and challenging. Lord, we know that death is a part of life, and that doesn't mean that we like it or understand it. But Lord, we know that we stand in need of comfort, and also as we look around, we know so many who need comfort around us. Lord, please guide us in how to best comfort them by that through our comfort they may have more faith in you, and may have more love for you and your church, and how some may be led closer to you through this suffering. In Christ, let me pray, amen. It doesn't take long to turn on TV and see that there are tragic events that are happening every day. One of the, the, the blessings and curses of, of Facebook is uh, people can share information really quickly, and they can share good information, but they can also share a lot of sorrows that are going on. Just this past, just this past week, one of my classmates from college, uh, she had two daughters killed, 18-year-old and 16-year-old. All three of her daughters were in a car, and one has lived and two have passed away while they were going on a trip, just driving from home somewhere. The oldest daughter, who's 18, was supposed to begin the Adventures in Missions program at Abilene this next week. And as I sit there and look at the, the prayers being poured out, I look at others who have lost loved ones, and, and the thing is, we can look worldwide everywhere else, but I'll tell you, you don't have to leave this county or this congregation to know that people have lost loved ones and have gone through something and they're struggling with it. And as we do that, we start going, how do we deal with sick, sickness and tragedy and death? Those things can and will happen and happen with great regularity. It's amazing that Jesus said in John 16, 33, said, these things I write to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer because I've overcome the world. It's interesting that this sandwich, if you will, of Jesus said, be at peace. And at the end, he said, I've overcome the world. But in the middle, he said, in this life, you will have tribulations. 
Now, to his disciples, some of those tribulations are going to be persecution. It's going to be things that happen to them because they are children of God trying to live the right way. But also, it will be that they're experiencing life. And what Jesus says here is that we can have peace and faith in the middle of tribulations, in the middle of trials, in the middle of those things that are struggles. It, tough verses in the Bible. When I look at this one, I look at James chapter 1 where it says, count it all joy when you fall into various kinds of trials or temptations. That's not an easy thing to do, especially when you're standing by a casket. There's a verse in Job where it says, for this thing that I fear comes upon me, and what I dread befalls me. I'm not at ease, nor am I quiet. I have no rest, but trouble comes. Can I tell you, every day, this is the closest verse in the Bible to somebody to describe where they are. Every day. If we looked at the book of Job, realized that one day he lost 10 children. I think everything after that was a blur, but he loses children. All the other things that he's lost, he, he loses property, he, he loses the things he owns, he loses status, he loses all these things. And this verse, the, the thing that, that I fear, the thing I fear the most has come upon me, that what I dread has befallen me, and I'm not at ease or quiet, I have no rest, but trouble comes. I believe that every day, to some of us, this is the truest verse we read. So what do we do when that happens to us? I'll tell you, sometimes we cry. That's okay, Jesus wept. I, I think that's something very, uh, very true. Jesus wept when, when trouble came, when it is that his friend Lazarus died. Some of us get so angry we want to scream. That's a real and true emotion. Guess what? God gave you all your emotions, every single one of them, and every one of them have a purpose. For some, we just, it's not just sadness, but we seem to sink down when these things happen. And we ask, what support out there is there for me? It's interesting that if you ever ask somebody how they're doing and they say they're fine, they're probably not. I love this picture. I'm depressed, I'm sad, I'm hurt, I'm confused, I'm lonely, I'm unloved, I'm judged, I'm misunderstood, I'm insignificant, I'm broken, I'm dying, and I'm fine, it's just easier to say. We all go through periods of struggle, and sometimes we say we're fine when we really just don't want to explain everything that's going on. I think one of the blessings and one of the places comfort can come from is from our church family. In the Bible, we are told not just to love one another, but there are 59 one another verses in Scripture. They go through the responsibilities we have to one another as God's people. We could go through them tonight. We live in peace with one another. We, we are to be people who build up one another and greet one another and encourage one another. We're also to be people who comfort one another. That's one of the blessings that we have of being in Christ, that, that, that necessity and that call of being comforted and having that opportunity to comfort each other when we are going through grief. Tonight, what I want to do, I'm going to have some practical suggestions in just a moment. I'm going to read a book to you. 
Why? Because some people have written modern day parables are better than anything that I could come up with myself. You may have read this book. It's a book that to help people who are going through grief. It's called Tear Soup. If you've not read Tear Soup, you're about to, or you're about to take a nap. But I'm going to go through this, and, and I will try to read it in a way that, that will be a blessing. And I believe as we pay attention to this, I'll come through and highlight some things about this later that I think are a blessing for those who are going through suffering. And here's the truth. In this life, you're either in the middle of something, about to be in the middle of something, or just coming out of something. That seems to be where we are. And so I think this study tonight will be beneficial. This book is not inspired, but I tell you, there's a lot of great truth in it. And so as I read it, I, I believe it'll bless you. And, uh, I don't know if you like being read to. There's certain things I like being read to. There's certain things I don't. If you don't, fake it till you make it. Okay, here we go. All right. Tear soup, a recipe for healing after loss. There once was an old and somewhat wise woman who everybody called Grandy. She just suffered a big loss in her life, pops her husband suffered the same loss, but in his own way. This is the story of how Grandy faced her loss by setting out to make tear soup. For many years, the custom of making tear soup had been forgotten, and as people's lives became more and more rushed, they found it much easier to pull soup in a can from the shelf and heat it on the stove. But several years ago, Grandy got a taste for a well-seasoned tear soup as one of her friends made it for her from scratch after her child had died. As soon as Grandy tasted the rich flavor of that carefully made soup, she promised herself to never again assume that quicker was better. Because of her great loss, Grandy knew this time her recipe for tear soup would call for a big pot. With a big pot, she would have plenty of room for all the memories and misgivings and all the feelings and all the tears she needed to stew in the pot over time. See, some of the ingredients and different things on this page, I'll just tell you because I think it's, he says, there's bad news, there's big disappointment, there's serious heartache, there's profound loss, there's major tragedy and more than I can bear. Those are the different size soup holders that you can make it in. And many times it's things that come from getting a fatal diagnosis or a suicide or a spouse dies or infertility or a friend passes away or divorce. Moving, a near-death experience, a house fire, retirement, chronic illness, things stolen, a stillbirth, loss of status, a child passing away, an unfaithful spouse, all these things may go in to you going through this grief and needing to make this soup. She put her apron on because she knew it would get messy. It seems that grief is never clean. People feel misunderstood, feelings get hurt, and wrong assumptions are made all over the place. To make matters worse, grief always takes longer to cook than anyone wants it to. And then Grandy started to cry. At first, she sobbed. Sometimes she wept quietly. And sometimes when she was in a safe place where no one could hear her, she even wailed. Grandy knew 
that she had to make much of this part of the soup alone. She learned from past experiences that most people don't like being around tears. Her friends would worry that she just, uh, how many tears Grandy's recipe called for at this time? So the old and somewhat wise woman reflected on her own special recipe as she looked down into the large overflowing pot of memories. It was a task that she would repeat many times during the next few months. Grandy winced when she took a sip of the broth. All she could taste was the salt from her teardrops. It tasted bitter, but she knew this was where she had to start. As for now, this was the only thing on her menu. There were things that Grandy never wanted to forget. These included the good times and the bad times, the silly and the sad times. With her arms full of memories, Grandy made many trips to the kitchen. One at a time, she slowly stirred in all the precious and not-so-precious memories into the pot. But eventually, she ran out of things to add. Grandy's arms ached, and she felt stone-cold and empty. There were no words that could describe the pain she was feeling. What's more, when she looked out the window, it surprised her to see how the rest of the world was going on as usual while her world had stopped. Her grandson, Chester, wanted her, uh, just wanted her grandy, his grandy to be happy again. He hoped his chocolate drops would make her feel better. Miss Bloomclots and Miss Chadwick and Mr. Long, all brave and fearful neighbors, dropped by to see how Grandy was doing. They filled the air with words, but none of their words took the smell of the soup away. Grandy was gracious because she knew how helpless her friends felt. They wanted to fix her, but they couldn't. All Grandy really needed from them at that moment was a knowing look and a warm hug. There were days also when Grandy hungered for a thoughtful ear. Sometimes she, would ask total, sometimes she would ask total strangers, care to join me in a bowl of soup? No thanks, most would reply. I don't have time for tear soup today. Even some of Grandy's friends hurried past her house and pretended not to notice the aroma of tear soup coming from her open door. Grandy found that the most people can tolerate only a cup of someone else's tear soup. The giant bowl where Grandy could repeatedly share her sadness in great detail was left only for a few willing friends. I'm here, Midge cried. I got here as fast as I could, and I'll be here whenever you need me. What a tragedy. I'm sorry you're having, such, having to make such a big pot of soup. Oh, what a relief, Grandy knew she didn't have to be careful what she said around Midge. Midge wouldn't try to talk her out of anything she was feeling, and Grandy could even laugh and not worry that Midge would assume Grandy was over her grief. Sorry I could not get here sooner, said Midge. No problem, replied Grandy. I've had plenty of help, but most of these friends would be history pretty soon. They'll be over my tragedy long before I am, but I know that you'll still be around. I don't know what to say, but I'll be glad to listen. Come on and tell me about it while we make some bread to go along with your soup. These two friends who have shared a thousand laughs and just as many tears pounded at the bread dough together. 
I feel like I'm unraveling, Grandy cried. I'm mad, I'm confused, I can't make any decisions. Nobody can make me feel good, I'm a mess. I just didn't realize it would be this hard. Why don't we go for a walk while we wait for the bread to rise? Midge suggested. I know exercise is supposed to help, but I feel like I have concrete blocks strapped to my legs. We better not go too far or you'll have to carry me home, said Grandy. Miss Chrysalot called and reminded Grandy that she's been making tear soup for years and would be more than glad to come right over and show her how to make it the correct way. Thanks, but no, Grandy said. This is my pot. It has my name on it. Grandy knew better than to let Miss Chrysalot or anyone else tell her how she should go through such a terrible loss. Next, her recipe called for some comfort food. For Grandy, this meant mashed potatoes or ice cream. Comfort food always makes you feel better, at least for a little while. It gets past that big lump in your throat that other foods can't. I think it needs some chocolate, too. After all, it was her soup. Grandy kept attending worship, even though she was mad at God. Sometimes she yelled at God and asked why this happened. At times, she demanded to know where God was and why she was feeling so alone. Still, Grandy trusted God, but she didn't understand God. She sensed that people believed that if she really had faith, she would be spared this deep sorrow, anger, and loneliness. Grandy kept reminding herself to be grateful for all the emotions that God had given her. On some afternoons, people would ask questions like, is it soup yet, or how long is it going to take? You've been at this for over a month now. It's time you get out of the kitchen. Grandy fumed at the caller's advice. Grandy looked forward to getting the mail each day. She dreaded the day when no more sympathy cards would come. When she was alone and needed to think, she found it helpful to keep notes on her soup making. Thank goodness Grandy and Pops had been married for such a long time, they already knew each other's tear soup would be different. Secretly, Granddaddy wished, Grandy wished Pops would be more flavoring in his soup, but he didn't want it. He's perfectly content to dine alone and sip his own soup. Making tear soup is hard work. Sometimes it was all she could think about. Even, when Grand, even the things Grandy used to love to do, she didn't have the energy for, nor did she care for anymore. Some of Grandy's friends over the years had not tended their soup. Their soup boiled over and the pot scorched. What a mess. It took a long time to clean their pots and start over. The spell, smell of burnt soup still lingers in some of their homes. Grandy knew that there were times when she needed to take a break from her soup making, even though it was hard to do, and she forced herself to get away. Grandy heard that a neighbor was having to take her turn in the kitchen. Some people thought that the neighbor was eating too much tear soup, so Grandy, being an old and somewhat wise woman, called and invited her to a special soup gathering where it's not bad manners to cry in your soup or to have second helpings. Soon the thoughtful cooks sat at Grandy's table and discussed the process of making tear soup. There were some parts that required help from friends and some parts that you just have to do alone. They shared stories about soup making 
that they wouldn't dare tell anyone else for fear of being judged a bad cook. They all laughed knowingly when Grandy remarked how on days when she was daydreaming while driving, she was glad the car seemed to know where she wanted to go. These people would become Grandy's new best friends. One day, Grandy and Chester were going for a drive, and Chester asked, Mom says you've been making tear soup. What does that mean? So, well, tear soup is a way for you to sort through all the different types of feelings and memories you have when you lose someone or something special. Remember when your baby brother died right before he was born and your mom sat for days holding his blanket and weeping? She was making tear soup. You made tear soup yourself when, by acting uh, out your own disappointment when you shouted at Jason, wishing his brother would die too. Remember when Billy's dog died and he didn't want to play with you? Not feeling like having fun is one of the ingredients of tear soup also. And remember when Aunt Meg got divorced and they had to move? There was a lot of tear soup simmering in that house. Some days when you're making tear soup, it's even hard just to breathe. Some days you feel like running away. Some days you hope that a better day comes along soon. And then comes one of the hardest parts of making tear soup. It's when you decide that it's okay to eat something instead of all the soup this time. The next morning, Grandy was cleaning up. Chester asked her if she was done making tear soup. So well, I don't think you're ever actually finished. The hard part is making a batch of soup. It's almost done, though. I'll put the rest in the freezer, and I'll pull it out from time to time, and I'll have a little taste. So what else have you learned about making tear soup, Grandy? I've learned that grief, like a pot of soup, changes the longer it simmers and the more things you put into it. I've learned that sometimes people say unkind things, but they really don't mean to hurt you. And most importantly, I've learned that there is something down deep within us all that helps us survive the things we think we can't survive. Grandy, you know so much. What will I do after you die? He says, don't worry. I'll leave you my recipe for tear soup. I know that that's going to hit different people at different levels tonight. But I know you realize that we all go through life and we're all going to grieve in very different ways. One of the blessings you have as being part of a church family is that you have friends that love at all times, as Proverbs 17 says. You have the church that will rejoice with you and weep with you. And you have memories. Philippians 1.3 says, I thank my God for every remembrance of you. And I, as I think about how we comfort, I think sharing memories is a big deal. In Acts chapter 9, we read beginning in verse 36, there was, a, uh, there was in Joppa a, a disciple named Tabitha, which translated means Dorcas. She was full of good works and acts of charity. In those days, she became ill and died. When they had washed her, they laid her in the upper room. Since Lydda was near Joppa, the disciples, hearing that Peter was there, sent two men to him, urging him, saying, Please come to us without delay. So Peter rose and went with them. When he arrived, they took him to the upper room. All the widows stood, bedside, stood beside him weeping and showing the tunics and other garments that Dorcas had made while she was there with them. That's a part of grieving, is it not? remembering what those people have given you. I think one of the ways we can comfort one another 
is to share memories about the loved one who's been lost. Now, can I tell you, I don't think the best place to share those is in the line during a visitation. You may share a couple, but if you realize people are lined up out the door, it'd probably be good to invite that person to coffee later or go over and share those memories with them. To be able to say these things, because sometimes we think when somebody's lost somebody that they're scared to hear about them, they'll be upset. Can I tell you, that's not the case. Tell them the good things you remember. I think that's something we can do because I will tell you that many times you will know something about their family member that they do not, and it will bless them to know. These memories are a big deal. You know if you've heard me talk that I, I love fishing. It's one of the things I greatly enjoy. And I catch them release most all the time. Here's one of the beautiful things of it. With my memory, I can catch that fish every day. I can go back and tell you how I caught it, what I went through, what it felt like. I can catch and release that fish every day. Memories are beautiful that way. Memories are something you can recall whenever. And sometimes they'll just call on you. They'll just drop in, sometimes like a hammer, and you're like, wow, where did that come from? It'll be a blessing. I think about what we as friends and what we as a church family can do. When my, grand, uh, when my grandfather Evans died, uh, the funeral was in Scotts Hill, Tennessee. Actually, Scotts Hill is a, this place would be a suburb of Scotts Hill. I can't even tell you how to get there, all right? It's in the middle of nowhere. But I know this, about a dozen people climbed on a church van from Calvert City, Kentucky to drive to a place they've never been to come and support my family and I as we did the funeral for my granddad. I haven't forgotten that that they drove and they came that far. I can tell you sympathy cards, and I, I've saved a lot of them. I lost two grandparents when I was in college within a month of each other. And I received somewhere around 300-plus cards from classmates and teachers. I still have those cards in a box. See, those are things we can do to extend comfort. And can I tell you that some of those cards came right then, some of those cards were spread out. Maybe it's because some were procrastinators like me, or maybe it was on purpose that they waited a little while. Whichever, I was thankful. An opportunity to visit someone and sit down with them and talk with them. Visiting the funeral. If you've ever asked the question, should I go to the funeral visitation, the answer is always yes. You're able to go and you can show love and support for, for people and their family members. It's something you can do. Uh, if they are a hugger, hugging is appropriate. Handshakes, doing those things that help people to know that you care about them. Taking them for coffee later. If they don't like coffee, milkshakes are better than coffee anyway. Take them for milkshakes later. Do something and spend time and talk to them. Everything doesn't just have to happen the week after the person passes away. Some people are really good about marking that anniversary down and coming back a year later, six months later, remembering the person who died's birthday or special days and sending cards on those days. Those are really neat things to do. If you've read the book of Job, you realize that Job had three, three friends, Eliphaz, Bildad, and Zophar. 
And they did something very special. When you read this in, in Job's 2, verses 11 through 13, it says, Now when Job's three friends heard all of this adversity, they made an appointment together to come and sympathize with him and to comfort him. And they mourned with him, being silent for seven days. Sometimes we feel like we have to talk and say something. I'm going to talk more about that in a second. Or sometimes we're scared to go because we're, we don't know what to say. Just go. Your presence and a hug or a gesture will make more of a difference than you can imagine. What happens is his friends went from being the best friends in the world to all pointing their finger at him and saying, Job, you must have done something wrong. When they started talking, they did a bad job. That's why Job said this, I've heard many such things, miserable comforters are ye all. That's what he said to his friends once they started speaking. Can I tell you, there's things I have heard or have been said at funeral homes or other places shouldn't be said. Please don't tell people you know what they're going through. Even though you may have a similar situation, it's never going to be one for one. Please don't tell people you'll get over it or to get over it. We usually get through stuff, not over stuff, okay? Another, the Lord must have needed him more than we did. What a selfish God. Can you imagine what bad theology comes from this when we say stuff like this? Can you imagine what it is when a child hears somebody say that? There's now another angel in heaven. Once, that is horrible theology. It's nowhere in the Bible that you become an angel once you die and go. It, it, it makes a lot of sense in Looney Tunes cartoons, right? You get your wings, you go on. Angels are their own created beings. You will not be, it's sort of the same thing. People are trying to think of something to say. Are they trying to be mean? No, it's just these things don't help. There's no need to cry. Well, if I punched you in your nose, would there need to be a need to cry? Maybe. But as we studied this morning, I'm not going to do that, okay? But if I do, you can't hit me back. We studied that too, all right? <laughs> it was their time to go. Really? It's amazing when we're Calvinist and when we're not, right? God had an appointed time. He took them right then. Are you sure? Are you positive that is exactly what happened? It was God's will. Please don't claim to be an expert on that. We have God's revealed will in his book. And saying it was God's will that somebody die right now is not contained in this book. It's not there. They are better off. True. Doesn't need to be said. At least you have another child. I've heard this be said to somebody who lost a child. There was somebody who had lost a child at Calvert City, and other people say, well, at least you have another child. I'm surprised there aren't more fist fights at, at funeral homes. Remember to give thanks in all things. Is that true? Yes, it's true. Does it have to be said right then? No. It's probably for the best. Wow. Um, it could have been worse. Don't question God. Wish Job had known that. I know what your experience. My dog died last month. You ever had somebody try to equivocate a human death to an animal death? I know your animals are precious to you, but that's a bad equivocation. That, that's very, very difficult. Also, God is refining you. There must be some sin that he's rooting out of your life. I've heard this as God disciplining someone. 
It's amazing how many people become experts on God when they're in the line at the funeral home. I know this one is hard to see, but it, it makes me laugh. I'll have to turn around because I can't see it in the back either. It says, I never know what to say to people at funerals. Neither do I. I'm terrible. They say, just say, I'm sorry for your loss, then move on. The guy's got it. Sorry for your loss, then move on. I'm sorry for your loss. Move on. No, okay? <laughs> Here's what to say. Try silence. Many times your presence speaks louder than your words. Try hugging. Many times a gentle touch. Someone means it's more soothing than a spoken word. The only thing I know to say many times is I'm sorry and I love you. And I'm sorry. I will pray for you, continue to pray for you. Your whoever it was, was was great. I have a meal that I'm bringing to your house on this date. That's something good to say. I thank the Lord for you. I sit there and think about those different things of blessings. I think about examples of this. When my, again, I talk about when my grandparents died. I had a great aunt who was known for making a couple of things. This is my cousin and I at my grandmother's house around the dessert table. There's two things at this dessert table of great consequence. One is what we call holy cake. It is a yellow cake, and you poke holes in it, and then you take the chocolate gravy we talk about and pour it on top of it. It is holy, and we call it holy cake, all right? It is great, and then there is a coconut cake there that weighs about six pounds. It's got enough uh, pet milk in it or condensed milk to, to sink a ship. When my grandmother Moore died, my grandmother Evans and her sister showed up, and they brought two of these cakes, and they set them uh, in the, at the funeral home in a room. That way we could have them. They also made one of these each for my brother and I, and they just sat there. This is back when visitations were two or three days in the funeral. They just sat there. And they told a couple of stories about how good my grandmother was to them, and that was the extent of it. I haven't forgotten that. When it comes to kids, how do we comfort kids? I'm just going to do this very quickly. One, be honest with them about what's going on. Be honest with them about loss and about death. And in some ways, the way they think in a, in a very linear fashion, they will get some of it easier than you believe. Secondly, comfort them. They're going to hurt. Third, listen to them. They're going to have questions. They're going to need to talk. Assure them and pray with them. These books like Tear Soup, there's also a book called The Invisible String. There's a book called The Fall of Freddie the Leaf. All these are good books for helping children to understand what's going on with death and comfort and why people are sad. I think those are helpful. I heard a, a man who directs hospice care, used to direct hospice care, talk to a group of preachers about how we help people during this time. He said there's three things. One is find a way to help, hug, and hush. He said, if you can do those three things, you can make a difference in the life of people who are hurting. Find a way to help, hug and hush. And as we find a way to serve, we'll make a difference. 
I want to finish up by, by saying our great comfort, even though we can comfort one another, the greatest comfort is still going to come from God. God is our, our source of comfort, and we look at leaning on Him in, in Psalm 46. It says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, even though the earth be removed, even though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, and there are times that you feel like this is happening. Though the waters roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake it with its swelling, there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place of the tabernacle of the Most High. God is in the midst of her, and she shall not be moved, and God shall help her just at the break of dawn. The nations raged, the kingdoms were moved. He uttered his voice, and the earth melted. The Lord of hosts is with us. The Lord of Jacob is our refuge. Come, behold the works of the Lord, who has made desolations in the earth. He makes war cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and cuts the spear in two. He burns the chariot in the fire. Be still and know that I am God, and I will be exalted among the nations, and I will be exalted among in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Please don't ever forget that God is with you. When you're going through this, realize that God is your refuge, God is your strength, and God is with you while you are hurting. Tonight, I don't know if we've accomplished what I hope to, but I pray I have. Help some of us to see that the need for comfort, and I pray that some of you will experience some comfort, and I hope that all of us will be ready to to comfort one another because at some point in time, we're all going to need it. But the greatest comfort comes from knowing God is with us and knowing that God is in our presence and we are in His. Tonight, can we help you? Tonight, is it your desire to become a child of God, to become a Christian? That way, you'll be in His presence, not just here, but for eternity. We would love to help you. Or tonight, can we pray with you or pray for you as you're going through something? We want to be able to be the greatest comforters we can be. And tonight, if we can help you in your walk with God,